You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. When we are performing, uh, we find that we see a lot of you know kids that weren't even born when my girl and a lot of our early hits were out. And uh, we said, now, wait a minute. You're too young to know anything about a my girl. How, how do you know about this? They would say, my mom or my dad. Motown singer Otis Williams of The Temptations. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. It was around this time in 1961 that a group of five young men formed a singing group. And they were good. They were really good. In fact, so good that Barry Gordy signed them to a contract at Motown. They were called the Elgins. Now, there was just one problem. There was already a group called the Elgins, so Barry Gordy asked them to change their name. And that's when they became the Temptations. Their founder and leader, baritone Otis Williams. Over the next five decades, the Temptations established themselves as one of the most popular and most enduring soul music acts. In 1988, Otis Williams wrote a book that was part memoir and part story of the Temptations. And that's when I had the chance to meet him. So here now, from 1988, Otis Williams. Where did the name Temptations come from? That came about one day we were standing out in front of Motown um, back in 1960-61 and we were kicking around a few names trying to decide uh, because we were the Elgins for about uh, two weeks but we found out that it was another group called the Elgins so we said well that will not do so Paul Williams, Eddie Kendricks, Elbridge Bryant, Melvin Franklin and myself and a guy by the name of Bill Mitchell who used to work at Motown uh, we were kicking out names and so somebody said Temptations I said hey I like the sound of that and so Paul said well we look kind of rough to be trying to tempt anybody but what's it a name it's, it's whatever you know you make it and uh, so we said we'll stay with that so Bill Mitchell said that's it and we said that's it so he went to the uh, legal department of Motown and said the group will be called the Temptations so they put it in the contract and that's how the name came about why do you suppose the Temptations have outlasted, the other, like the other Elgins and all the other groups of four or five or six young men or young women who started out at all about the same time uh, or, at, or at any time in the, in the period of, of music history? Some live on for years and years and years. Others die out after their first record. That's true. You know, I really can't put any one particular uh, finger on it. I think, first and foremost, God has always been a very instrumental uh, Role played a very instrumental role in in the Temptations' existence, and then uh, we have been fortunate enough to change up, you know, with the right record at the right time. Barry has always been in our corner, you know, and then the fans, you know, uh, have always believed in us going through uh, the many different personality changes that we have had. So uh, it's a a combination of reasons why we are still around. Uh, A lot of hard work and believing in ourselves, and like I said, first and foremost, God. You say today that Barry's always been in your corner. Are there, there have not been times when you always would have said that, have there? Uh, well, you know, in that aspect, he's always been there. Now, there's been times, you know, we have had disagreements, you know, and uh, when he said uh, yes, we would say no. So I don't want the public to always think that we were the guys that would say, yes, Barry, yes, Barry. You know, it got to be a point, uh, yeah, Barry, but. You know, so we did grow up and we did start uh, questioning some things. And, you know, uh, so there have been times when we uh, didn't get along, you know, but that's customary for folks. You know, I can't help but think of all the millions of budding young musicians who have the dream that 
that you guys had, that we're going to form a group and we're going to become stars. People are going to look up to us. They're going to pay lots of money to come and hear us sing. And then they discover, as you have somewhere along the way, that something changes, something that they didn't expect that comes with a little fame and a little money. Right. What happens? Why, why can't you have that dream the way everybody dreams it? You know, that's a good question, you know, because there was a time we had vowed that we would never change regardless of whatever success, amount of success we would have. But, you know, uh, that's one thing to say it in words, but to put it into deeds is a whole other ballgame. Success is such a strong antidote that uh, it can change us. You know, and you can always be in constant conflict with yourself to find out what's real. If you're still real with yourself because uh, you're making large sums of money, you know, people patting you on the back saying how great you are, rolling out the red carpet, you know, doors opening for you that never would have, you, you know, at one time would never open for you. So uh, it can uh, kind of get you out of kilter and uh, it brings about a different personality change. And that's what happened with us. You know, guys just started thinking and feeling different, you get another kind of uh, independence because now you you can uh, buy more readily than you could before. So it's a, another kind of feeling that uh, a very strong aphrodisiac that you have to try and fight off and not uh, let it control you or, or be all-consuming. And it probably doesn't help when, when well-meaning fans or critics or reviewers say, Hey, uh, you know, that, uh, Eddie, he's all right, but David, I don't care for much for him. Uh, or, uh, you know, Otis, he's really the star of the group. He really sings better than any of the others. Yeah, well, you would hear that from time to time about different guys in the group, you know. And uh, depending on the makeup of the person, you know, sometimes guys can be very sensitive about those kind of, uh, you know, sayings and uh, take it to heart. But one thing you got to realize that the public is going to be uh, the public, you know, uh, by and large, you know, very fickle. You know, and uh, you know, it's just one of those things that uh, they ultimately have the the last uh, say-so on how they want to spend that money. And they feel as though they're justifiable in saying what they want to say because uh, they feel as though uh, if it weren't for us, uh, you wouldn't be where you are. And they're true, you know, uh, in a great uh percentage of uh, overall but uh, you know it's something that you always have to be mindful of and try and not let it uh, really gnaw at you. You were mentioning a moment ago you've alluded to the personnel changes over the years. Some groups can't handle that. Some bands or some groups uh, the, the public just won't accept that, that one member or two members leave and they're replaced yet the temptations are still there after all these years. What common thread is there that runs through the group? Is it you? Well, uh, Melvin, he's been uh, there, you know, Melvin Franklin, speaking of uh, our bass singer, him and I are the only two original, you know, and uh, we have just, we made a, a, a pack back in 69, 70 there, but we were performing out in Westbury, and there was a little group incident that went down, and we just made a pact then that uh, as long as God would give us the strength and health to endure, we were going to carry the temptations on as long as possible because it's a good thing, you know, uh, that we have. Speaking of the temptations, and uh, it has made life very, very good for us, and uh, it's worth uh, protecting and fighting for at all costs, uh, not at the risk of uh, losing your, your, your self thing, you know, and just being uh, dogmatic to people, but it's uh, worth fighting for as long as you can keep the right perspective and do not lose the common touch and stay real with people. It also occurs to me that you've got a, a lot of people who are 
9, 10, 11, 12 years old who know Michael Jackson real well, but The Temptations, yeah, that, I, yeah I think I've heard of them. Yeah, it's a pass-it-on kind of thing. Uh, you know, uh, like I said in my book, that uh, the generations uh, uh, that we were performing for in the 60s, well, okay, we're speaking of 20-some-odd years later, and they have since married and, you know, had kids. And so they, well, in my day, during the 60s and carrying on, this is who we used to listen at. And so they would start, uh, you know, inflicting their thoughts and music <laughs> and what have you on their kids. And so when we are performing, uh, we find that we see a lot of, you know, kids that weren't even born when my girl and a lot of our early hits were out. And uh, so they would get on the stage and they would sing and uh, my girl. And we said, now, wait a minute. You're too young to know anything about a my girl. <laughs> How do you know about this? And they would say, my mom. Or my dad, so it's a pass it on kind of thing, which is good because uh, that helps perpetuate temptations. Uh, whoever has been around that long, uh, good music and what have you, so it's great. After this short break, Otis Williams tells a tale of mistaken identity. Now back to my 1988 conversation with Otis Williams. A lot of popular music over the years has come to to have a, some, well, what some fundamentalist Christians call some very filthy lyrics. How does a group resist the temptation to, well, no pun intended, to uh, <laughs> to inject something a little sexy, a little controversial into a song to try to boost some record sales? Well, we try and do things in good taste. We do not want to get sorted and just uh, at the risk of selling records, you just uh, lose your whole self-respect and everything. No, we don't want to do that. Bottom line, we always think along the lines of good music songs that will stand the test of time, and I think I can attest to that because uh, they ain't too proud that my girls can't get next to you's and all those from the 60s. You know, it's nothing to walk into just about any place or the commercials on TV, certain movies you hear them in the backdrop of movies. Those uh, records are uh, great music with uh, very timeless lyrics and non-insulting kind of uh, uh, lyrics. So we never stray from that. We don't want to get up there and start talking about between the sheets. And uh, we like to keep things uh, very clean and honest. And uh, well, mass appeal will always be accepted. You know, i got to tell you a story. The other day, Conrad Dobler was here. One of our salespeople came out to the lobby. You could see the look of recognition on his face. He said... Hey, Dick Butkus. Are <laughs> you kidding? Now, I'm wondering about you. I'm wondering if you guys in the airport, if anybody ever says, Hey, Mars, look, it's the Four Tops. <laughs> oh, we've had that happen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've even had some people say, Aren't you guys the Supremes? I said, No, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. Strange as it is. I said, No, wait. Where have you been? You know, so... Uh, People are funny, just like the TV show used to come on. <laughs> and so uh, uh, it's very interesting being out here traveling like we do because uh, you're subject to run across all kind of sayings and <laughs> happenings and what have you. But for me, most cases, people confuse me with Melvin. Say, Melvin, uh, I'm Otis. Oh, you well, you guys been around a long time, your favor. And I guess we do, but that's the most that happens. Well, me. you know, they say people who are married a long time begin to look alike. Yeah, that's true. And, and, uh, you've, been, and you've been together longer than most people have been married these that's days. That's true. Uh, Melvin and me have been together since uh, yeah, we were like 16 and 17 years old. <laughs> and now here we are, mm, years old. 
<laughs> but you look great. Thank you. I'm, I'm curious about the shirt that you're wearing. I, uh, uh, this was made for me uh, by a young lady that works on 227 when we did 227. Uh, she just saw me as a clothes horse, and uh, she made this up for me, and uh, I didn't even ask. And when I saw it, I said, oh, good taste. So um, I've gotten quite a few uh, compliments on it. <laughs> Is there one question that you are asked? everywhere you go, by everyone you meet, that you wish you could answer one more time that you'd never have to hear it again? You know, I can't think of any one particular question because we always ask a whole multitude of questions, you know, uh, aside from how long have you guys been doing, um, why have you been around, uh, that kind of thing. But so it's been a, a whole multitude of questions that's been laid on me. So it's hard to just isolate just one particular do you get irritated if people ask you, hey, come on, sing, sing me a song. Come on, just bell out a little tune here. Um, not really. I don't do it, you know, because I was just asked about doing a song on Kelly and Company. You know, and we are on hiatus now. I'm the only one that's uh, still on the road. The rest of the guys are kicking back, and uh, uh, I don't want to sing at all. I just want to just relax and just talk and take it easy. So I told... Uh, uh, the young lady that's from Putnam that uh, tell them, no, I'll come on, I'll show them a few steps, but I'm not singing. <laughs> well, it'll be like asking an accountant, here, why don't you sit down and do my taxes for me? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when he, you know, is on vacation. That's right. Yeah. Why did you write the book when, right now when you did? Well, it was a thing that uh, wasn't set out, you know, a plan, anything. We were appearing uh, uh, in New York City at the Gershwin Theater, the Four Tops Temptations, and a young lady by the name of Marilyn Duxworth was, uh, she was at the show, and she's uh, uh, executive at uh, Putnam, and she felt as though that we would make uh, good journalism, and asked, was I interested in doing a, a book on the Temptations, and I said yes, and uh, that was uh, two and a half years ago, and that's how the book really came about. You didn't have to stop and think about it? No, because I knew, and one of the things that really impressed me with uh, Putnam was that uh, when we sat down to figure out who would be the best one to help write the book, uh, they said that they did not want a kiss and tell book, but they wanted a book that was honest and just explaining how we have been able to, you know, survive. And I really admire and appreciate them even more so because, first and foremost, they are in the business to sell books, which is also to mean to make money. But uh, they did not want it at the cost of me uh, not being able to perform with the fellas and start uh, building up a, an, an alienation kind of thing and all that stuff. So, uh uh, it was good for them to uh, have that kind of attitude because uh, I did not want to do no smut book or kiss and tell or who's between the sheets with that. Uh, but just wanted to be honest and tell why we left Motown, uh, how come we had so many different personality changes and how we've been able to survive uh, about Paul and uh, things of that nature rather than the sordid details and all that kind of stuff. Because those books will forever come out, and to a certain degree they will always sell, but then there are some that have not sold. But they don't last very long. That's there's true. A, there's a brief burst, and then suddenly you don't uh, see them anymore. Right. I would like to think that this book, Temptations, would uh, become very inspir uh, inspirational, uh, that it can be referred to from time to time uh, to the next generation uh, of uh, uh, kids growing up, and they can read it without the thing of, ooh, did you see that? Did you read? You know, I didn't want that kind of stuff. So I, it's a book that I'm proud of because it's not the kind that, uh, don't read that, it's triple X rated. You know, I didn't want that kind of book. 
out of all the songs that you've done, is, do you have one favorite? Do you have one that, that is closest to your heart? My Girl. Without a stutter, mutter, nor flutter. That record is uh, it's timeless, and you know we've been going around on this book tour, and you know they would play certain songs of ours over the years, and uh, uh, whenever I hear, it just bring back memories of how that song evolved, and uh, listening uh, listening at it today, and. David, you know, he really sings the hell out of it. I mean, that song was meant for David Ruffin. Does it surprise you that radio station, I hear it almost every week. I love it because uh, I think USA Day took a polling uh, last year and it it was voted as America's all-time favorite. And that was very uh, rewarding to know that because uh, when you stop and think about all the records that's released not only you know over a period of years but in one year you know they released thousands and thousands of records here's this one record that is still America's favorite today uh, that's to be commended Otis Williams is 80 years old now and he continues to occasionally perform with The Temptations and you can find easy Amazon links to Otis Williams book at our website heardeverything.com and while you're at heardeverything.com Don't miss my interviews with two other Motown legends. My 1995 talk with Martha Reeves. We were in love with one another. We sang songs and crooned to one another and just fell in love. There are a lot of children walking around today that I consider Motown babies because we sang about love. And my 1998 conversation with Gladys Knight. We came across this song and it said Midnight Plane to Houston. We said, hmm, we like the way the storyline goes. So we came up with Midnight Train to Georgia. That sounds better. And, of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find Now I've Heard Everything anywhere you listen to podcasts. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, you've heard of the Kinsey Report. You've heard of Masters and Johnson. Have you also heard of the Height Report back in the 70s and 80s? A lot of controversy. So we'll revisit my 1988 interview with sex researcher Cher Height. If women say that if men would open up more, they would feel closer... Men should listen because I think then women would really not be needing so many extramarital affairs and perhaps men wouldn't either. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Mm-hmm.